Alright. Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Chasing Covey's podcast. Um, sorry for the delay in between episodes. We have had uh, all kinds of technical difficulties. Um, we have recorded the fourth episode. This will be, what, a third or fourth time now? Um, with multiple different guests and still, still with the, uh, still trying to give it everything worked out. Uh, we're losing audio from a bunch of different sources. Anyway, we're not going to go into that. Uh, we're going to try to get get it out to you, you guys um, as quickly as we can. But uh, just bear with us as we're, again, we're new to this and trying to work through all the, the little bugs and things of that nature. Uh, so, Jordan, why don't you start and kind of we'll go into what we're working on with some of our dogs now and uh, just tell me what you guys have been working on with uh, Onyx and Ash. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, Onyx, I'm still kind of, still trying to get him steady. Uh, I don't think he's he's too far off. He's doing pretty good uh, as far as like, you know, throwing birds at him when he's on point and trying to make him move and he doesn't. So he's uh, he's getting pretty close there. His big issue is um, birds coming out of the ground. Um, he's fine as long as you don't launch a bird, but the second that you, you launch one of those pigeons from the launchers, he, he wants to run. So he's got to, once that clicks with him to not move with the with the bird coming out of the ground, I think he's going to be fine for the for the garden season. Um, Ash still just trying to get her exposure. Uh, she needs to start her bird work in the field. Probably next week, um, I'll probably take her down there. I think it's supposed to be a little bit cooler next week, so we'll take her down there and put her on some birds in the field, let her start searching, um, kind of see where she's going to range at. I don't think she's going to be super big right now. I mean, she's only, what, six months? How old is she? Six months old? Five and a half, six months old? I have no idea, something like that. I think somewhere around five months. Got her kennel spot ready uh, yesterday so she'll be going in the kennel uh, get her out of the house and get some you know sanity back in the uh, in the household <laughs> come on man little, pu- little puppies are fun <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah until they eat a whole rug literally I guess for me I've been working Teddy and Ann um, just running them um, Running, I've run Queso a couple of times, and then I've ran ran Timber a few times. Really, for me right now, I'm not trying to work on anything. I'll start working on more steadiness work with those guys. Hopefully, Friday, well, tomorrow, um, to get those guys. Well, obviously, Anne's already broke, but just to follow, polish up some things with her. Um, we'll work with Teddy, getting him more steady to wing shot fall um, he's not he's pretty close he's, I'd say he's probably steady to wing shot and now we gotta work on the, on the fall part um, once we shoot and things of that nature but uh, he's very close I don't think it'll take very long for him to, to finish that up and then we're working on timber just getting her kind of more exposed to birds, exposed to new avenues of wherever we're going to be hunting, uh, new terrain, that type of thing. Um, as you know, we'll get into a little bit of my experience so far with Mike Hester, but, um, you know, he's got a place that's very similar to what 
we'll be hunting and the type of cover we'll be hunting. And last, I think it was last week. It was the first time I've taken her up there, and she, uh, at first, you know, you could tell she's like, "What? What is this stuff? Like, what am I supposed to do here?" So it'll be good to continue to work with her with that. I don't think it'll take a whole lot of time with her, uh, especially at his place with all the birds that we have access to there with all the wild quail and pre-release quail that he's got on his property so hopefully that'll speed up the process for her which i mean obviously we're not looking for her to be a steady to wing shot and fall dog yet uh, she's only eight months old nine months old however old she is but um, really just trying to get her exposure make sure that she's ready to at least be able to point whole birds and we can go hunting with her in the fall um, other than that, I mean, we've got, like I said, with Queso, I haven't run him a whole lot. Um, I still work in him here and there. Um, he is a dog that I want to move now. Um, he, he doesn't fit the bill for what I want um, moving forward. Um, as Mike told me, he's got, he's got, a, got a tell that uh, I couldn't do anything with it if I wanted to. <laughs> When it comes to when it comes to breeding and and trialing, which obviously at some point you know that's something that I want to do. I want to get into trials and and breeding down the road if the dogs hold the standard that we want them to. Um, so looking to move him, uh, I mean I think he'll make somebody a great hunting dog. He's got a great nose. He comes from great great lines. Um, he's a dog. I think that. The more you get work with him, the more he would adapt to whoever's hunting style. Um, you know, if you wanted to hunt him off the off a buggy, or if you wanted to hunt him off a horse, or if you wanted him to be a, a foot dog, he could do either either of those. He just is going to have to take some time to get used to. Um, I mean, he's a he's he can be a big running dog if you let him be. Um, you know, as you know, he can. He can get out there four, five, six hundred yards if you you let him, um, or he'll stay he stay close. I mean, earlier in the season he was staying, you know, in the inside that two hundred yard, which is plenty for a, a walking dog. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's a, I think he'll make somebody a great hunting dog. And I mean, really, if I don't get rid of him, and then before hunting season, I'll hunt him all season and then we'll go from there but I mean if I don't get rid of them I'll probably start breaking them here soon and we'll use them as a hunting dog yeah no I mean I'm I'm in the same boat with Howard um Howard is going uh up for sale um a UKC registered him I'm still waiting on his paperwork to get back and as soon as his paperwork gets back um I do have one one lady that is interested in him but if, if things don't work out there, then yes, uh, Howard will be up for sale. So he's a little quirky and he's different, but his, his range just isn't where I need it to be. Um, I think that he'd be a really, really good woodcock and grouse dog, but we don't get into him enough to, to give him that exposure. Um, so for somebody up north or somebody that strictly hunts on the coast for woodcock, or, I think he'd be a really good dog. He's just a little too, too close ranging and he doesn't have the charge in him that that we're looking for but again i think with either dog queso and howard i think they'll both make make somebody a good dog it's just not what our uh it's not what our stream needs right now it's good to have new new dogs in the in the kennel 
I don't know when our new dog or if we're going to get new dogs coming in, but I'm sure by the end of the season we'll have uh, one or two more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't even know this, but I talked to a guy um, yesterday or the day before. Um, I'm going to go look at a female setter next week. Um, I really want to get a setter in the, in my string or our string, whatever. Um, but I really want an English setter. Um, I, want, I think my first my first setter. I'm going to try to do this a little different. I'm going to try to make this dog more of a hunting dog, more of a meat and potatoes type dog, and have her focused on that. Uh, a dog that we can guide with, that type of thing, um, that either one of us can take out if we need be. Uh, and then at some point, I may run some trials with her in the fall to try to see if I do end up getting her, I should say. Um, she's directly out of uh, Aaron's Hidden Shamrock. Um, she's got good bloodlines. Um, her litter mate, the guy who I talked to, uh, has her or he's the owner of the litter he owns both parents um, but the her brother her litter mate uh, he kept both of the puppies and they're both 14 months old 15 months old somewhere in that range um, they the brother is winning up to trials in the amateur ranks and I'm assuming he will run him start to run him more in the in the open stuff, um, as he starts to age a little bit more and gets a little bit more broke, I guess. Um, he, uh, when I talked to the gentleman about her, he said that, you know, she's not had a whole lot of exposure. He has not worked her near as much as he has worked him. So she'll take some, some time to get, you know, where we need her to be before the season. But figured I'm going to go ahead and if she looks the way she looks, I mean, she's got a dead straight tail, which I love. Um, she doesn't have the curled tail. I mean, she's a very good-looking dog. Uh, she's pretty much solid white. She's got an orange on her. Um, but we'll see how that works out. Um, I'll try. I'm going to go down there next Friday, I think, Thursday or Friday, and see what she looks like, and uh, we'll see. Might have a new new dog by Friday. As you know, we've been I've been looking for a starting setter um, for a little while now. Um, I don't want to go the puppy route because I don't want it to be another two years before it's a finished dog or two and a half years before it's a finished dog. I want something that I can hunt over in the fall um, and to be able to, you know, start running trials. I think something me and you have talked about a lot um, in the last couple of weeks is we really want to get into some, some type of trialing. Um, I think we may do some up to trials in the fall if we can get it worked out with another testing schedule which we don't have a whole lot of testing that we're going to run in the fall but we do have some if we can get it snuck in there a little bit here and there during hunting season then that'll be great um, sounds like a fun time and as you talk to a gentleman that's off to judge and unfortunately we lost most of the audio of that but um, it sounds from your experience or your experience, I guess from you talking to him and then talking to me, it sounds like a, a fun avenue to, to trial and, and get the dogs more exposure to birds and 
I just meet some new people, and who knows what what kind of doors will be opened. Yeah, the uh, the Ufta game seems well not only more realistic to hunting, but it seems very. Uh, you have to keep your head in it while you're out there running, so you can make the right calls. Um, so I think it would be interesting. I think we got one or two dogs that could do it. It's just a matter of do we have the uh, do we have the knowledge to stand behind them. So I think running the running the Ufta trials to kind of get in that game. It'd be good for us. It'd give us some exposure. We'd, we'd meet new people, be able to talk to more people. Yeah, I think the, the reason the up to one seems so intriguing to me is just uh, it's got a lot of strategy in the game. Um, you know, all the different things that could obviously go wrong when you're out there with a dog, um, all the things that can go right. The point system, it's not based on a, you know, it's not based on a judge's feelings for the day, I guess you could say. Um, or how a judge looks at your dog, um, which is why I like the AKC stuff, the AKC hunt test and things like that, is because it's, it's up against the standard. It's not your this dog versus that dog. It's this is our standard. How well, how well did you perform the task to this standard? Um, and then, that's, I mean, it's black and white. There's no, there's no gray areas there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I mean, I think we talked about it at one point you know it's not fair for i don't forgot how you worded it but your dog might have one find and range and stay out in front of you and hunt quote unquote better but my dog have six finds and you still win the trial you know i don't i don't see how that's number one fair to the dog because my dog might have found more and then still lost but i guess that's still a learning phase that i need to go through there yeah i mean Ufta is not the only avenue of trialing that we want to try, or at least I want to try. Um, I want to try some AKC walking um, walking trials, probably with Ann, maybe with Teddy, um, maybe with this female setter if I get her. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a it's a game where we need to kind of dive into you know all different types. You know, pick a shoot or a tree trial, pick a walking trial. You know, obviously we already do the AKC stuff, and then we still have to do some NAVDA stuff in the fall, uh, especially with the two female shorters that we have. They are, they have got to be running, have to be, I guess, but they are going to be running in a test come the fall time, and then we'll we'll see how far down that NAVDA road we go. But they'll definitely at least be running those. Um, yeah, that's coming up quick. I mean, we're what three or four months out from from fall trips and whatnot but before we get too in depth on that one talk a little bit about your uh, your mike hester experiences what you got going on up that way uh, as you know um i'm sure some people have seen it i've posted a little bit here and there i haven't really posted a whole lot about it on instagram but i have started working with mike hester of county line kennels and haywood plantation um if you don't know who mike hester is look him up uh he is a world-renowned dog trainer and field trialer uh he runs all open all age and shooting dog uh, horseback trial stakes he has competed in the national championship multiple times um competed in the national championship this past year with a dog he's just a all-around great guy the guy that's been doing it for close to 50 years i think through Durrell, um meeting up with him and uh training with him and doing some articles on Mike 
I was talking to Grill about it, and, and we got linked up. And Mike said that he needed some help a couple of days a week. So uh, on my off days, I've been driving up and helping him. Um, basically, what I've been doing for him is running his puppies um, to start with. Um, so basically, I hop on a side by side. And he's got about a thousand acres on one property and two or three hundred on another property. Um, I hop on that side by side and get these dogs running, get them in shape, get them finding birds, um, and then just kind of tracking them, make sure they're handling the way he wants. Uh, the biggest thing that I've learned with him is, you know, he lets a he lets puppies be puppies. Um, and just the passion that he puts into these puppies, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, I've seen some of these dogs are his and some of them are client dogs and things of that nature, but he has, he puts a fire in dogs that is unbelievable. I mean, there was one day I was running dogs, it was like 92, 93 degrees in the afternoon. It's freaking hot. Most dogs would be running right beside the side by side if they're even running at all. And these dogs were running around at two, three, 400 yards, checking in with you, hunting as hard as you can. And then they go find, they come across a bird, they point it for a second. They flush the bird, which is fine. Again, these are puppies. They're not ready to be broke yet. And then the next thing you know, these dogs for the next 20 minutes, it's not that you can't get them back to you. It's they don't want to come back to you because they want that bird more than anything. Like he has gotten it so instilled in these puppies because they have so many bird contacts and so much time that he spends with them that these dogs would rather go out and hunt and hunt and hunt until they couldn't move anymore than they would, you know, just give up after a bird find. Like they are hitting the ground running and they are searching covers. It's amazing how these little eight month old to 14 month old puppies, you turn them loose and you go down the tra trail on the side by side and you'll cut into a, a field corner or you'll hit a hedgerow and you watch this little eight month old pointer or setter puppy They'll swing from one side of that field, they'll hit the hedgerow, they'll work that hedgerow edge all the way down to the edge of the field, turn around, come back to the back edge of that, on the opposite side of that field, where a lot of people's dogs, you know, if it's a 10-acre field, we've, we've come so ingrained in training. Where does everybody put birds at? Out in the middle of the fields. Well, that's not very, you know, realistic when it comes to hunting. How many birds do you find out in the middle of that field? I mean, you can watch it, you know, Teddy's uh, three years old and the first time I ran him out there, I mean, that's exactly what it is. He went out, we hit this field and he hit right in the middle. You know, he hunted the entire field back and forth, back and forth, quarter, back and forth for the entire field. He goes, and he goes, watch this. He pulls out this little eight month old setter. He, he drops his setter in the same exact place. And that setter never touched the middle of that field other than when it ran across to go check the opposite side of that woodline i mean it's just a it's just amazing to watch um, the passion he's got the knowledge that he's got you know here well tomorrow now uh, we'll see when we can get this out but friday i will uh i'll be going back down there in the morning and we'll start breaking dogs um, so i'll get to see that process of how he breaks all his dogs um, and one thing that i've seen that's been very eye-opening for me is that he never uses an e-collar like 
I think I've seen him. I've been up there five weeks now, so 10 days. And when I spend time up there, it's eight to 12 hours a day. Um, I mean, some days I've been up there 14 hours, but like, um, uh, and he runs, we run dogs pretty much the entire time, except for we may, you know, take a little break here and there and let it cool back down in the, in the afternoon. But he does not use an e-collar. He does not use a belly collar on a dog. He is hands-on with the dogs because he does not want to take style out of a dog because obviously in the game that he runs, style is everything. Uh, you know, you got to have a dog that'll stay out in front of you, a dog that'll range, a dog that'll handle, and a dog's got to have class. Um, and you can see that with this dog. You know, I've seen him, I see him run. Uh, Quick Marksman Dan, I believe is the dog's paper name, but he is uh, the dog he ran in the national championship this past year. And just, I mean, this dog pointed these birds from 30 yards out, had the highest head you've ever seen and the highest tail you've ever seen. I mean, it looked just like a painting that you would see in a in a magazine or something. Um, but it's just amazing just to see how he goes about it. And I think it also will help me and you see you know, I think a lot of people nowadays get very reliant on that e-collar and then use it more as a punishment type thing or a way to make a dog listen instead of making sure that that dog knows what you expect of it and then that e-collar is the, the last resort. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just uses his e-collar as a tracking collar. It's That's it. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I can fall into that category of, especially when I first started, everything was e-collar. You didn't listen e-collar. Shock them nonstop, it seemed like. But uh, I've started coming off of that now. Um, so, no, I think it's going to be interesting once you start breaking dogs, how that process goes and how we can, you know, start applying that to our dogs and hopefully – get them where they need to be uh, whether it's during the season or just before I think it'll be good for us yeah I mean it's it's only going to be a positive experience um, and hopefully with work we can make it we can work it out to where that uh, we can get you out out there and, and work with them maybe in the next couple of weeks as we're closed for a week maybe uh, that would be a big thing I think um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a been a fun experience. Uh, I've learned a lot. Had a lot of interesting things happen while I've been there. So we'll uh, we'll keep grinding with that one, and, and and I look forward to you know, hopefully at some point he'll he'll sit down with me and we can we can do a podcast with him. Uh, he's not the most he doesn't like technology that much, but uh, I'm sure he'd do it with us. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be the the technology type. No, he didn't. Um, let's see. So let's get. I guess next thing we'll go into, we'll go into a little bit of our what we've got coming up for the fall as hunting season is. It's approaching, man. It's getting here. Um, you know, if you look down, it's six nine. I mean, won't be long, and it'll be nine six. And then... uh, yeah. So we've got uh, Michigan first on the books um unless something wild happens in september and we accidentally end up in wyoming anyway um so michigan's first um haven't dove a lot into michigan just because we have been there before so we have a little 
a little better idea of what we're doing. Mainly focused on woodcock and grouse. There's a few little blocks of uh, younger aspen um, that I have found that I want to try. I think our big goal for that one uh, is that grouse. I know we had a couple exposures that first time we went to Michigan, but never got the shot off um, or shot connect, I guess. So that's my big thing. Um, it's trying to find that. We've got a little house um, that we'll probably need to get on the books fairly quickly uh, to make sure all this can go through. But we're pretty much trying to stay, you know, that central Michigan. Um, I'd like to shoot up into the UP for uh, shark tails. I've got a few spots. I'm looking on Onyx right now. Um, I've got a few spots up there that are marked out with a like, hunting area, walk-in hunting areas. Um, heard there's birds there, so might as well go try it since we're there. Um, but nothing crazy. Uh, I think our big thing for Michigan to find these spots is uh, is Onyx, uh, and most of you guys are already using Onyx, but we've started to learn how to use it, uh, how to pick out spots using topo maps and tree filters and crop data and you know stuff like that really helps narrow down all the uh, all the covers. Uh, but you never really know what you're walking into until you get there. Uh, I've got another guy, Ryan Hopkins, and I'm hopefully gonna. We're going to try to meet up with up there. He's going to show us a few spots, run his dogs. He's got some dogs from uh, from Standing Stone. I think one of his dogs or two of his dogs are from Standing Stone. So we'll be able to to run with him and see how his dogs are and and kind of go from there. Um, and then second on the books is uh, is Kansas. And that one we're kind of blind on. <laughs> Well, we are. I mean, I think we're we're doing we're doing our research. We're trying to figure out the exact area we want to go to. Um, I've got a couple people I'm talking to about where we want to go. Uh, it really just boils down to, to what our goal is with that trip. Um, you know, my personal preference for that trip is for us to go find a decent number of quail. If we find some few pheasants, great. Um, but the biggest thing we want, or I want, is I want a prairie chicken. Um, bad. I don't want to, I mean, I don't care to go out there and kill prairie chickens every day. Um, I just want to go out there and find a couple of coveys of prairie chickens or find a couple of singles. I don't care what it is. Um, go out there and to be able to harvest a new species. Um, and again, I mean, I know we could go to a different state, but we do want to focus on quail pretty heavily too. So that's why we're, we've picked Kansas. Um, probably central to eastern Kansas is where we're going to end up. Um, and then if you to go back to your Michigan trip, um, you know, my biggest goal for there is if we can go hunt sharp tails one day, great. Um, if we can get into, I don't know, a covey of sharp tails, that would be awesome. Um, but other than that, I mean, I want, I want to see my first grouse pointed. Um, I have not seen that before. Obviously, you had it happen in Wisconsin last year, um, but it's something that, that I want to do. Um, and then, you know, as we've continued to grow as a business and as, I don't know, I guess uplanders, we, uh, you know, Michigan kind of holds a special place. You know, we didn't go back last year. I'd love to go back this year um, to the same little cabin that we had before. 
out in the middle of the woods, you know, just out there and just to enjoy it, the experience that we had on our first trip. Because, um, I mean, it would, without going up to that Michigan trip, I don't think we would, I don't we definitely would not be as far in as we are now, I don't think. No, nah, no, nah, I don't think so. That was kind of, you know, that was kind of the starting point for it. Well, not kind of, I mean, it was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it, it lit a fire in us. Um, you know, I think it lit one in me to to see what I could do with, with my dogs. Obviously, oh, we only had Teddy at that point, but it lit that fire to see, hey, if I had a couple more dogs, what could, what else could I do on these type of trips? And it also, I think for you, it lit the fire of, now it's time for me to get a dog. Like, it's my turn. Yeah, I mean, within, what, three weeks of getting back, I had on it. <laughs> It was not very, very long after. Yeah, it'll it'll do that to you, that's for sure. And then I guess, um, obviously that's Kansas, Michigan. We'll come back to North Carolina, um, lay that out. Obviously, we'll hunt quail, woodcock here. Maybe make a trip west to the mountains. Um, we got some people that we're talking to that we kind of want to get together with and do some woodcock and grouse and quail and a little bit of everything um and then maybe um georgia in, in january uh maybe even february probably probably late january though um look at going down and hunting with the rail a little bit and then also just like me and you just going out there and doing what we got to do and putting our boots down and and finding us some public land spots of our own down in down in georgia yeah i think that'll be exciting um you know going down to georgia i know you went last year and you've you've talked about it quite a lot um it's just you, you keep saying it's different you know it's a different culture it's a different atmosphere um and the snakes are a lot bigger so that's why the snake boots are in handy now but i think it'll be i think it'll be fun um as long as we don't see any of the travel snakes. I, I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing with me with Georgia is, is the history of Georgia. Um, you know, I know that you don't have any English pointers or setters or, or things like that yet. You will. Um, <laughs> um, but I think just the history of quail hunting in the southeast um, you know obviously we're not quite as far south as that but quail are a big big deal to me um, and that's why going down to georgia is just is special um, to be able to see that red dirt down there um, to watch kind of you know that's where a lot of these big big dogs have national championships have come out of and just to be able to pay homage to that and you know Obviously, we're not to that caliber where we have any dogs that are running in a national championship or anything, but just to be able to see, hey, man, you know, so-and-so ran on this place or so-and-so was bred right here and, you know, tying all that history back in. And, I mean, you go down to Thomasville and that whole area is nothing, but, I mean, that's what it is down there. It's quail hunt. You know, plantation beside plantation beside plantation beside plantation. It's just a it's just a really neat place to be. Yeah, I think we have a lot of good stuff on the books this year. Uh, we've it's crazy to to think how many trips we're we're planning when two years ago we took one, you know, and now we're we're going to see all these new people with Darrell and 
you know, with you and Mike, uh, the amount of connections and, and places that we've extended to is, is getting it's getting wild. I mean, even out to Kansas, we've got our, that, our buddy Steve, you know, he's going out there. We might be able to hook up with him at some point over that week that we're there and, and hunt with him. So and then stemming off of that, you know, we've got stuff coming here, hopefully within the next month. Um, so we put a order. Well, we kind of got lucky with the order, but we put a, put a trailer order in, um, a six holer. So that's going to be another step for us there. We can take more dogs training. We can take more dogs, uh, you know, client dogs, potentially hunting or, or whatever. We decide to go with that route. So talk a little, uh, where did you order that uh, and some of the specs that are on it? Well, I mean, so to backtrack just a quick second, um, you know, the connections that we made are it's because we've worked for it. Um, not saying we work harder than anybody else or anything of that nature, but like, the biggest thing that me and you have is, I mean, I know we don't have a whole lot of time and, and stuff, but we have time and effort. And, you know, as we talked with Mike Nadusky last week, even though the episode, we probably have to redo it, but um, the biggest thing that he, that I took away from him is that, you know, you have to be, guys like me and you, if we want to make these connections, we want to learn from people, we got to be willing to put the time and the effort in for somebody to learn. You know, a lot of times people, they just want the handouts and that's just not the way things work. You know, it's gotta be you willing to put your time and effort in. But the trailer, um, so I ordered it from, oh gosh, uh, like I'm gentleman's name, another gentleman's name, um, Solid Point Trailers out of Oklahoma. Um, I've seen a lot of good reviews about his trailers. Um, they're built completely out of steel. There's no wood on the trailer. Um, you know, it comes with a warranty. Um, just, I mean, from what I've seen, other than you know, obviously you've got your big companies like Jones and Anley and Deerskin, those guys. Um, but they're they're a little out of our our price range to start with right now. Um, but so put in, called him, put in an order. Uh, as you said, we got very lucky. Um, I talked to him. First time I talked to him, he said it would be end of next January, uh, 2023, before we would be able to get a trailer. Luckily, he had just started working on a six-hole trailer, which is what we wanted. Um, and a guy had some unfortunate things happen, and he was unable to get the trailer. So he is currently building it for us. Hopefully we have a end of July pickup date. Uh, so we, me and you will hop in the truck and we will drive to, to Oklahoma and pick it up. Um, I mean, it's just gonna be a pretty standard six hole trailer. Um, it'll have fans. Uh, I think we had lights on it. Fans, water, a little bit of storage. Uh, individual washouts, individual tie-outs, um, so it'll be pretty nice for us. Uh, it'll definitely help out uh, with the way gas prices are going now. Um, to be able to take one truck to to Kansas or Michigan instead of two trucks or three trucks um, because of the dogs we have. You know, we have. I think we were counting the other day. We had what eight dogs going with us to Michigan and Kansas. So I mean. I've got three gunners and you got three gunners and uh, I mean yeah we could double up but still we can't get six gunners in one truck so it's just 
it's something that we had to do, uh, especially if we want to continue to take the next step and guide and be able to, you know, at some point take take in client dogs and train them and take them hunting with us and that type of thing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we've been growing since the start, so we might as well keep that keep that trend going. Um, I think it's a good thing for us, uh, especially as far as training, to be able to take as many dogs as we can, get them all the exposure that we can, uh, and same with hunting. Uh, it also allow us, you know, if if we want to take in a client dog over a season, well, that dog's going to have room, you know, to go. They're just they're not going to just sit in the kennel. Our dogs are not just going to sit in the kennel. They're going to be out there. They're going to be trained. They're going to be worked. Um, so I think it's nothing but nothing but good things for us. Um, and then kind of kind of leading on to to the final thing that we. Um, have been talking about a couple different things actually um i'm actually going to start working on setting us up as an llc uh today so we will officially become to llc so that should be fun not sure what the paperwork behind all that stuff is but we'll figure it out and another thing is a a potential patreon um setting up a patreon page and then becoming a two percent business so i've noticed a couple people bigger pages um more known people they're all two percent business so they donate back to you know quail forever pheasants forever uh american woodcock society um, etc so i think um i might set us up a patreon page as well so if you guys wanted to to support us there um that would be awesome we're going to start hopefully coming you know with some hats and and koozies and stuff like that that you guys would be able to purchase uh, and then we're going to give back to Quell Forever, American Woodcock Society, Rough Grouse Society, any any of these businesses that we can, you know, we might even put those funds towards a southeast uh, a quail chapter. Uh, we might start a quail chapter. So we've got a lot of plans in the future. Um, we just got to take one step at a time, calculated steps, um, and, and go from there. But I think it's all all good for us. Just a matter of matter of getting it done. Yeah, I, mean, I think you make a good point. Uh, obviously. Being a once we're everything is good to go and all the paperwork's done, but um, being a two percent for conservation organization is a is a big deal um, to us. Obviously, without conservation, we have no birds to hunt. We have nowhere to hunt because um, we hunt public land, and that is it. Um, so that's a big thing for us. Uh, as far as Patreon goes, um, you know, obviously it'd be great to have some some help doing the shows, being able to you know have have people on that type of thing we would you know give some as we go into hunting season we're going to try to film hunts and we'll we're in a, we're filming training a little bit here and there as we can um but yeah i mean we'll be able to show some training videos we help help people out however they needed um, so you'd be able to ask questions and things like that on there um, but another thing i think big is you know just Everybody would be able to reach out, you know, if you guys have any questions about anything, if you'd like to see something with us do it on the podcast, um, you know, you have any questions about how somebody's doing something, why we're doing this, uh, you know, you're interested in meeting up with us and hunting somewhere, um, whether it's here, North Carolina, Kansas, Georgia, Michigan, anybody there's some spots in like Wyoming, uh, you know, I'm not scared to drive. <laughs> um, just kind of anywhere, uh, anything, any kind of comment, you guys, please reach out, let us know. 
Um, again, I apologize for taking it so long to get this. It seems like it's been probably two or three weeks since we've got an episode out. We've recorded every week. Um, we've just had bad luck with whether it's people's internet, whether it's cell service, whether whatever the case may be. We've just had a bunch of kind of crappy luck with the with the audio. Uh, hopefully, this audio is better. Yep. I mean, I think we just got to keep on keep on getting it.